Welcome to Shelter in Place, a podcast about finding daily sanity in a world that feels increasingly insane. Coming to you from Oakland, California, I'm Laura Joyce Davis. Yesterday was Memorial Day, a day I've loved all my life because it signifies that summer is coming. As a Minnesota kid surrounded by lakes, Memorial Day weekend meant driving up north to the cabin where our family spent most of our summer weekends. These days, having a second home is a luxury that most of us can't afford, but back then, most everyone I knew had access to woods and water. When they were young, my parents spent every summer weekend that they could camping, visiting as many lakes as they could, deciding which ones were their favorites. In a state with well over the 10,000 lakes claimed on Minnesota license plates, this was not difficult to do, and back then, lakefront property was cheap and plentiful. The year before I was born, they found a tiny two-room cabin up on a hill, with a set of steep stairs that led down to the water and a cement block boathouse below. Many years later, my parents would buy a plot of land down the road and build a place with more room. But my earliest childhood memories are of cramming into that little cabin, not just with my own family, but with my grandparents, my aunt and uncle, and my three cousins, who lived down the street from us. Those were times of sleeping on the floor in a sleeping bag, of awakening in the night to a daddy long-legged spider crawling across my arm, of the toilet being clogged almost constantly because that one little septic tank bathroom couldn't handle the constant traffic. Times of sobbing while my skis bobbed awkwardly in the water and I cried, I can't ski. Times of getting up after the 15th try and feeling more proud of myself than ever before. Those were afternoons of carving my own stick to roast wieners and marshmallows, of catching crayfish with my bare hands as we waded along the shore. When we were old enough to be out of sight of our parents, the boathouse became a bunkhouse a place for watching shooting stars and skinny dipping, a place where my siblings and cousins and I would sleep on creaky cast-off furniture and fall asleep to the sloshing of the lake on the shore. Memorial Day weekend was generally the first weekend when it was warm enough to put the dock in the water, a job that took the better part of the day and that involved carrying heavy metal poles and even heavier four-by-eight-foot wooden dock pieces from the shore to the water, and then holding them steady while my dad went to work with the socket wrench and tightened the bolts one by one. The lake didn't get deep enough to swim in until you were 40 or 50 yards out, so there were a lot of dock pieces, maybe as many as 20, though in my memory it seems like more. If we were lucky, we'd be laboring under the early summer sun. But more often than not, Memorial Day weekend was chilly so we'd stand shivering with blue lips and teeth chattering as my dad gave patient instructions and we tried to hold the pieces level. It was a job that most people hired out. This was something my siblings and I occasionally dared to point out to our parents. There were whole companies built on the singular need to have the dock put in and taken out at the beginning and end of the summer. The job took hours to complete, and we'd all be sore the next day. I'm sure there were other families who did it themselves, but I can't ever remember seeing them. For the sake of frugality or maybe just family togetherness, it was a job we were going to do ourselves. It was what my friend Scott Gullick would call 
type 2 fun. I learned about type 2 fun exactly a year ago. Our family spent that Memorial Day weekend camping with two other families. We'd all been neighbors for years, but had become friends when our kids went first to preschool and then elementary school together. It was our first time camping together. Our friends reserved a beautiful but hard-to-find spot that should have taken us only an hour and a half to get there, but instead took us nearly four, because there was another park with a similar name, which we only realized when we arrived in a spot with no cell phone reception and did not see our friends. When we finally arrived at the right place, our friends had already set up camp, and the mood was festive. One of our friends was making palomas with fresh-squeezed grapefruits, and the place worked some kind of magic on our kids, who played contentedly with their friends for hours in the trees and rocks around our site. It was our night to cook dinner for the group, and so I cooked taco bean soup over a camp stove and pulled out chips and salsa to snack on. It was a beautiful spot, and the light was golden on the valley below. As I sliced avocados to top our soup, I felt the stress of the drive melt away. That is, until I felt the blade of my knife go deep in the base of my thumb. My finger began gushing blood immediately. My friend Annie, who is a nurse, pulled out her first aid kit and did her best to clean and close the wound. We debated whether or not I should leave the group to drive 90 miles to the nearest hospital. As she checked my wound, Annie calmly told me that my injury was so common that nurses have a name for it, avocado hand. Annie thought I probably needed stitches. I called my health insurance company and learned that a visit to urgent care would cost me $500. We discussed the pros and cons of spending or saving that money, and I decided to sleep on it. All night long, my hand throbbed, and I was certain I'd made the wrong call. But the next morning, my thumb was looking better. The bleeding had finally stopped, and thanks to Annie's constant tending, the wound was clean. I was in pain, but I was fine. Also, I was not out $500. We went on a morning hike. The kids had a great time. It was good to be out in nature with our friends. But by lunchtime, the skies had darkened. The temperature dropped, and it started to rain. We scrambled to put everything inside our tents or cars, getting soaked in the process. We'd all been pretty cheerful up until that point, but between the rain and a poor night's sleep and my finger hurting, I could feel myself starting to unravel. I could tell I wasn't alone. We took turns being snippy and irritable and began to talk seriously about heading home early. The original plan was to stay until Monday, but here it was Sunday with no good weather in sight, and we were all cold and miserable. It was then that Scott told us about type 2 fun. He said that type 1 fun is the obvious kind of fun, the fun that is unequivocally enjoyable, the kind of fun where you feel disappointed when it ends. Type 2 fun is different. Type 2 fun is often no fun at all, at least not right away. It can be miserable. And yet, he said, when we look back on life, it's often the type 2 fun that we remember most fondly. If we stayed... It would be to create some type 2 fun. Here's a list distinguishing type 2 fun from its more glamorous counterpart, type 1. Reading Harry Potter? Type 1. Reading James Joyce's Ulysses? Also type 1. Just kidding. I've never met anyone who thinks that's type 1. 
Bruno Mars, type one. Going to the opera. Maybe you're more cultured than I am, and that's a type one. For me, it's a definite type two. Dancing in your living room, type one. Choosing to run a marathon. Running is my sport of choice, but even I have to admit that that's some type two kind of fun. Sunning yourself on the beach with a pina colada in hand, type one. Surfing on that same beach, even though a full body wetsuit and booties can't stop you from constantly shivering, type two all the way. And finally, choosing to stick it out and camp in the rain with your friends after almost slicing off your thumb. That, my friends, is the type two kind of fun that we opted for. When type one fun is over, you feel disappointed. When type two fun is over, you feel relieved. There's nothing wrong with type one fun. We all need those times when life is just pure, unadulterated enjoyment. But type two fun is the kind that sticks with you. I know there was a lot of whining and complaining during those Memorial Day weekends of putting in the dock. And yet, at least for me, those memories are mostly fond ones. Because while the work was hard and uncomfortable, it was work that left us feeling satisfied when it was over. Sometimes we even figured out how to make it better while we were doing it. We'd sing at the top of our lungs or play chicken as we floated the dock pieces out to deeper water. Standing quietly in the water and holding the pieces steady, I learned for the first time how funny my soft-spoken brother-in-law is. Every now and then, those times of work included serious conversations, too, the kind where we let each other in on our lives. It seems to me that whether or not you're able to enjoy type two fun at the time, there has to be a perspective shift. It's a kind of fun that happens largely in retrospect. It's not so much about reframing a negative moment as it is about finding a better way through it. It's less about changing your situation and more about identifying the small and significant ways to survive it well. Sometimes I wonder if I'm a bit of a type two junkie. As a lifelong distance runner, I've been on a long quest for type two fun. So much of that sport is pain and suffering. I would not describe even my best races as blissful or easy. They were times in my life when I learned how to tolerate pain so efficiently that I came out victorious. They were type two fun. Most of my favorite books and movies are ones that made me cry. Some of them really made me work to get through them. Come to think of it, novels that are purely type one fun, page turners that lack a certain heft and artistry in the writing, don't interest me at all. Surface level chit chat has never appealed to me. My best friendships are the ones where we've seen each other at our worst and not only stuck around, but dug in deeper. So yeah, maybe I'm drawn to type two fun. For many of us right now, so much of the day to day is challenging. It's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to get lost in the work of putting one day after another, to feel the chill of the water and wind, to lose sight of the thing we're working toward. Sometimes surviving is the best that we can do. And it's not a given that we'll find type two fun in a bad situation. I have plenty of memories that still make me wince years later. Certainly there are moments so painful 
where there is no type of fun to be had, where all you can do is just get through. So much of parenting is all about type 2 fun. Work that you do now that you hope will pay off later. Yes, there are moments of type 1 fun. The tender kisses on cheeks, the times I catch my older kids reading to the little one, the moments we all get so silly together that we can't stop laughing. But we're in a stage of parenting where those type 1 fun moments are relatively rare. I'm told that as children get older, the type 1 moments are more frequent. I hope that's true. But sometimes I think that in my search for type 1 fun, I miss the invitations to the fun that is type 2. Whether your arms are aching from the heavy load you're carrying or you're shivering in the rain, my gift of daily sanity to you today is this. If it's possible, give yourself some type 1 fun. But also, be on the lookout for type 2 fun, because a life with no type 2 fun is a shallow one. Type 2 fun is the kind that gives us opportunities to change and grow during hard times. It gives us a chance to band together with others and figure out how to get through. This year for Memorial Day, we were hoping for some Type 1 fun, a day trip with the same friends we went camping with a year ago. We were going to take a ferry to Angel Island, an island of parkland that sits in the bay between us and San Francisco. It's a place we've always wanted to visit, a place that somehow, even though we've lived here for 16 years, we haven't made it to yet. We had to cancel those plans. Angel Island isn't open yet, and the ferries aren't running there since the Bay Area's shelter-in-place orders have not yet been lifted. Instead, we met up with our only local family for some social distance splashing in the river. We picnicked and sipped rosé in the sun. We provided in conversation what we can't yet give in embraces. It was a day of type one fun. We all needed that after this pandemic spring. But there's a part of me that misses the type two fun we had last year, camping in the rain with our friends. It's not that I want to repeat our chilly camping trip or the pain of almost slicing off my thumb, but I'm glad we had those experiences together. It's what made us miss being with them yesterday. One of the things that has strengthened our friendships in the intervening year. Type 2 fun will do that in a way that type 1 fun never can. However you spent this Memorial Day, I hope you had some type 1 fun. But if the fun you had was more of the type 2 sort, I hope you'll recognize in that the shift you made to get there and feel good about that too. As we enter this pandemic summer, whether your city or state is open for business or you're still sheltering in place, my daily gift of sanity for you is this wish. That someday soon, you'll remember that this time was hard, but we did it together. That when you look back on this moment in history, you'll recall a time with plenty of type two fun and some type one fun too. If you've enjoyed today's episode of Shelter in Place, the best way you can support it is to subscribe, rate, and review it on iTunes so others can find it too. Shelter in Place is sponsored by Brick and Mortar and Delta Wines. I am so grateful to be sponsored by a small local business that isn't just committed to making great wines, but to making this world a better place. 
get 10% off your order when you use the promo code SHELTER at brickandmortarwines.com or winesforchange.com. When you buy wine, you support this show and also other businesses that are working toward more sustainable living. The Shelter in Place music was composed by Chase Horseman at Reactor Productions, and the Shelter in Place artwork was created by Sarah Edgel. Until tomorrow, this is Shelter in Place. I'm Laura Joyce Davis.